0: Alright, good morning listeners and welcome to this week's News from the Drug warfront. Front. Uh, my name is Jeff, and my co-presenter is Marion. Good morning.
1: Good morning everybody. We've got spring. Is this lovely or what? How, good morning to everybody and how are we this morning? How are you Jeffrey? You feeling good? Oh, it's nice to see the sun. Isn't it gorgeous? I just love getting up in the morning smelling newly mown grass in the heat or slight heat, I beg your pardon, relative heat, just smells so nice and just such a pleasure. So, anyway.
0: Just a shame we don't have the four seasons like we used to have in Canberra. It was one well, of the nice yeah. things. Yeah. It's
1: getting a bit more like Melbourne with having them in one day. Four in one day,
0: yeah. 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 Having grown up in Melbourne, I well, can vouch for that.
1: By the time we go out at lunchtime, it's probably going to be pouring down with rain. Judging the, by the way it behaves yesterday, yeah. yeah the,
0: the clouds roll Beautiful in. Beautiful in,
1: in the morning and then, boom, in come the big clouds and it's pouring down.
0: Yeah, well, look, we've got a, a chock-a-block show full of um, stories, discussion and music and also um, quite a number of events that are coming up, like the um, yeah. stigma uh, conference. It's happening at Parliament House on November the seventeenth. We'll and give you some details.
1: And um, Karma's annual general meeting at the end of the month. And it seems from now, which is kind of the beginning of the second quarter of the financial year, until. Just before Christmas, it's kind of work time for everybody. Yeah, a
0: lot's happening now. The
1: fundings come through. Everybody starts to do everything um, until Christmas time when they go on holidays and everything shuts down for two months.
0: Well, that's what you've got to wrap everything up. Yeah, annual, general really meeting. Um, and then they
1: come back and get their finances in order for the auditor's report, which is the other thing that's important about the annual general meeting is the presentation of the auditor's report. But getting programs shuffled into really a three-month period is not much time to complete programs or projects, really, is it? So, you know, that's why there's so much to do and so much to read, Jeffy, I think. It is a
0: busy time. There's no doubt about it. But um, hopefully we'll have some um, discussion that will be of interest.
1: Yeah. Anyway,
0: uh, welcome to today's edition of News from the Drug War Front, uh, which is brought to you as ever by Karma the Canberra Alliance for Harm Minimisation and Advocacy, and The Connection, which is Canberra's peer-based drug and alcohol service for Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander clients or First Nations clients. Uh, news from the drug war front um, naturally promotes the services, uh, the wide wide array of services provided by Karma, and we also report on stories that are relevant to illicit drug users from Australia and around the world, uh, and hopefully uh, pro- encourage people to discuss and educate themselves about the need for different approaches to dealing with the harms caused by problematic drug use in the current world of prohibition.
1: And educate their families too because that's what's really important is getting it out. We know what's going on in the world of drugs as a rule, but we need to get the wider conversation happening. Karma and The Connection provide a wide range of services such as advocacy, peer treatment, support, Opioid maintenance treatment support, hepatitis C treatment, education, art therapy support groups, rehab services or referral to dealing with stigma and discrimination. And there's a uh, conference about that coming up. Uh, Mentoring and referrals above all. Karma and the Connection are harm reduction services, meaning that the people that work there are peers. They are your peers. They are not in a position of power, they're not able to do anything that you can't do, they just can do it on your behalf because often people aren't prepared to ask for things for themselves but are more comfortable with somebody asking on their, on their behalf. And it's a non-judgmental service. It's a non-judgmental service because they are where we are. So, yeah, there's no power differentiation, which is the difference between karma and other organisations, yeah? There is no power difference. They're in the same position that you are. They know what they're doing, but they just might have a broader range of knowledge of services that you don't have access to. And they may have personal contacts with those services that you can have access to via them. Karma and The Connection are co-located in Benjamin in Belcon and Searches Centre at Shop 17, Level 1 Benjamin, 54 Benjamin Way. The drop-in hours are 10am to 4pm Monday to Friday. Contact can be made on six two five three three six four three, or by emailing karma at info at au. Just before we go on to something else, um, which is something we really need to do but i want to announce that the agm for karma is on the 29th which is a tuesday of november at lunchtime so it starts at midday with lunch uh, and then at one o'clock the business end of the meeting starts which involves the auditor's report which is making sure that we've acquitted our funding properly which of course we have but making sure and finding out what the auditor has to say about the report and how the funding has been going that is a Um, an absolute must. It needs to be done at
0: the annual general meeting. It's standard AGMP. You get the office holders' reports. That's right. And
1: And we have to – well, the Treasurer actually presents it, but the auditor has written it. Yeah, the official auditor auditor –
0: uh, comes along. Oh, well,
1: mm. the auditor actually usually reads the report and yeah. answers questions on it. Yes, the, the treasurer is simply the person who is responsible with the, with She's the auditor the books, to, yeah. as a member of the board. Yep. Yeah. So the, and that's the other thing, uh, election of board members. So members of Karma need to come to the meeting. It's only two hours, including lunch, um, and come and stand for the board. So it's on a Tuesday? part. Tuesday? Tuesday from 12 till about 2. 29th of November. Twenty 29th of November. Cool. That's right. So come and be part of Karma. It's your organisation. Be a member. Be part of the board. Represent yourself, yeah, and find out what's going on. Have a say in your organisation and what's going on.
0: Yep. Anyway, It's a community-run organisation and That's we're only as strong is. as our members. So. And
1: it's responsible
0: to us, yep. yeah? Indeed. As
1: we are responsible for ourselves, karma is responsible to us, Indeed. to its members.
0: Well said, Mary. Okay, uh, News from the Drug War Front reports on uh, news stories that are relevant to the drug users from Australia and around the world. Many of the articles featured in, featured in this program come from other sources, including the mainstream media. So, the contents of this uh, broadcast slash podcast do not necessarily reflect the views and or policies of Karma and the Connection. Karma does not condone nor condemn drug use and does not promote Ill- illicit activity illegal activity. However, we recognise that drug use happens and will continue to happen regardless of laws and United Nations conventions. As such, Karma focuses on harm reduction messages, drug treatment support services, advocacy and community development. We seek to reduce the harms associated with drug use and its criminalisation through the provision of programs that foster community development and the delivery of person-centred holistic health care. Karma advocates for equity of health service delivery for all people. And, in fact, there's a really um, good article which um, uh, We're I think... are going to go into, actually. They go into the, the details, which we'll do um, after the song, but it's got a, a nice picture of um, Chris behind the the sort of um, counter at the entrance uh, of the office and yeah. um, talks about what karma does. So we'll, um, we'll uh, go through that after our first song, which is Everclear and Heroin Girl.
2: Mm-hmm. Used to know a Noah girl. She had two pairs nipples and a black tattoo. We drink that Mexican beer. We love on Mexican food. Yeah, I wish I could.
0: That was Everclear and sure Heroin was. Girl.
1: And didn't it stop all of a sudden?
0: It did stop oh, all of a sudden. It. Yeah, caught me <laughs> out. Hey. <laughs>
1: okay. I just need to announce to you the uh, Karma Opioid Overdose Recognition and Response with Naloxone workshops have a regular time of 2 p.m. on the first Tuesday of every month. Um, for information or to book a place, call Dave or Damo on six two five three three six four
0: three. That's definitely something worth remembering.
1: Something you need to we, – and um, we'll announce that every week because just to remind people, get in touch. It'll be on the first Tuesday of every – first Tuesday of every month from now on. It'll be a regular date. But there are other ways of getting access to naloxone, so don't fear that you can only go to the tr- the overdose prevention and resuscitation workshop. There are, you know, short-in-term interventions you can do too. Or if you know how to use naloxone, you don't need to have that at all. You can just go in and pick up some more naloxone. Exactly, and
0: it's well worth um, having that on hand. Absolutely, Um, the Reach Teach Treat Thrive Hepatitis C partnership with Hepatitis ACT and Karma continues, and there's a new initiative um, where people can get their testing done, blood testing done by finger prick, which will be an enormous um, relief for people that have trouble, you know, finding a vein. Um, The Karma Hep C Clinic will be. Available Mondays and Fridays yeah. from ten thirty a.m. till three p.m. Testing takes around forty minutes, and the wait for the results. Uh, sorry, testing takes around ten minutes, and the wait for the results is around forty minutes. A pay- payment of forty dollars is made. If the test is positive, the direct acting antiviral medications are paid for, and a hundred dollar payment uh, made for when you commence. And then there's, I think, three workshops uh, along the way, yeah. um, and then. So you get paid every time you're taken up for a workshop. Can I just
1: say an initiative is new. So that's a (laughs) – and it drives me crazy when we do stuff like that. It's like a, you know, double entendre. Double entendre, is that the word? Anyway, when you say new initiative, it's the same thing. It's either new or it's initiative. It's both. But I'm just like that. The uh, Australian uh, Capital Territory, this is our first article – Um, Decriminalises personal use. So this is something we know, but we're just going to keep reiterating on a regular basis. So uh, decriminalises personal use of MDMA, cocaine and heroin. This is by Isaac Mook, MixMag.net, November the 4th. Those caught with small amounts of the substances will not face criminal prosecution. The Australian Capital Territory, ACT, has become the first jurisdiction in Australia to decriminalise the personal possession of illicit drugs such as cocaine, MDMA, heroin, crystal meth and amphetamines. From October 2023, and that's what I want to make really clear every time we announce it, it's not until next year that this becomes official legislation. From October 2023 onwards, those caught with small amounts of the substances will instead be issued with cautions, fines or be referred to a drug diversion program police will have the discretion over how to respond to each situation but fines will be treated as a civil fine similar to a speeding ticket. the ACT's health minister Rachel Stephen Smith outlined that the measure will would uh, focus on reducing harm rather than punishing drug users she said the ACT has led the nation with a progressive approach approach to reducing harm caused by illicit drugs through diversion health treatment and reducing the stigma for those most vulnerable and at risk in the community. This sensible reform is based on the expert advice that a health-focused harm reduction approach delivers the best outcome for people using drugs, she continued. The government will ensure through amendments that the principle of harm reduction is
0: front and centre of our approach to this charge. Yeah, you're absolutely right, Marion. I've had a number of people... um Contact me saying, oh, congratulations. Yeah,
1: we're going. We we can do it. We can have drugs. Great. Yeah, but no, not till next year. There's
0: that period where... um, Got a 12-month... It's got a... And it's
1: got a... It's kind of a a winding period, if you like, a settle-down period so the police get used to it, the community gets used to it. Education can be done. Education can be done and people can stop freaking out about it because those people who are anxious about the introduction of drug use as if it is promoting drug use rather than simply reducing the criminal charges associated with it, Um, need to be informed and educated about the positive outcomes of of getting rid of the criminal charges associated with drug, uh, drug use of any kind.
0: Yeah, the piece uh, concludes a 2021 Your Say survey in Canberra found that nine out of ten residents supported decriminalising drugs. Gee, that's pretty that's overwhelming. A home, yeah, it's very high. However, decriminalising the drugs did not receive across the board support. With the Canberra Liberals' deputy leader Jeremy Hanson describing the move as radical. He
1: must have been the
0: tenth. He must have been the one in the, one in one ten. One out of ten. Yeah. He told ABC uh, News as. Um, ABC News, it's going to lead to more crime. It's going to lead to more carnage on our roads. (laughs) The Australian Capital Territory is the area surrounding the country's capital city, Canberra. It's the smallest mainland territory and home to 454,000 people according to a 2021 census. I didn't actually didn't know the current population or...
1: Yeah. Well, and they're talking about extending
0: the size of um, the ACT Somebody as well. Somebody told me that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: It was on the news uh, last week. But interesting concept anyway. And uh, the point, I think, is that education... <laughs> Obviously, Jeremy Hanson is one of those people that requires that kind of education about what harm reduction will do, what the harm reduction approach will do, or the decriminalisation of drug use will do. It's really important. Indeed,
0: but just don't forget: there's October twenty twenty-three. Not
1: until next year. That's um,
0: right. Got a piece which uh, talks about karma and, and um, chats with uh, Chris. Uh, drug drug harm reductions about more than the drugs. Uh, it's got a picture of Chris and says it'd be wonderful. Chris says it'd be wonderful if people who are thinking about using drugs came in to have a chat at Karma and collect information about the dangers. I'm hoping more people will start to come and access more information because it's critically important that they do. Um, that's Chris Scott, executive director of the Canberra Alliance for Harm Minimization and Advocacy. The Belconnen based centres. Uh, is a low-threshold entry point into the health system for people who use drugs, a place to find support, help and community. Open for more than 30 years, Karma provides harm reduction information for people to take drugs safely. And Chris is quoted as saying, you're not expected to change your behaviour in any way. We go for long-term engagement with people, so we're there when they're ready to seek more help, Chris said. It's controversial, but we know people take drugs, so we're about harm reduction. You can step from harm reduction to health treatment when you are ready to quit. And if, I think. And if, yeah. Is the
1: point, yeah. Okay, so Mr Goff compared... uh, the accessibility of information about alcohol to the stigma surrounding information about drug taking. It's important, as quoted as saying, it's important to know how many drinks you can have and still be safe, still be able to drive. That's a harm uh, reduction technique. But it's easy to uh, get that message across because the drug's legal, he said, goes on, when you sweep drugs under the carpet and criminalise it, you tend to sweep away everything else related to it as well. It's never going to be safe, but we can make people safer, which is exactly the way we att- uh, t- approach the HIV thing. You can't always be safe, but you can be safer. Yes. Uh, so drug use can be made safer. Um, it's all about being informed about where the danger lies. Harm reduction information um, was as varied as each drug um, a person could take, okay, but they centred around the same themes. Mr Goff said people needed to educate themselves about what a drug could do to their body, how long it would take for that drug to take effect, what you would experience when on the drug, how you could expect it come down and what to expect as part of the hangover in inverted commas this is important as purity can vary significantly between each batch of a drug and sometimes you can end up with something you weren't expecting as shown by carrot Canberra's fixed pill testing site that scan test which we talked about last week. karma is one of the organisations involved with the trial site providing peers peer workers to help with its operation. There's also also information about safe injecting so people can better protect themselves against potential abscesses and blood-borne diseases, and that's really important. This is about empowering people to be in control of their health and well-being, Chris goes on, and knowing their health and well-being is important by providing them with pathways to be involved with society, Mr Goff said. The decriminalisation legislation is fantastic, but it's only one step forward. We are cast as that other, in inverted commas, but we're also worthwhile members of society. Yeah, that's really important. It um, is important. Point we're not make. just other, we're not just alien other, we are us.
0: And it doesn't form you all who you are. You know what I mean? That's when P- people we are, are much not, more We're complex. not just
1: drug users. We are more than that. We're exactly. mothers, brothers, sisters,
0: cousins. It's you just know, a part of your of
1: Part of your, your behaviour. It yep. is a behaviour attached to your personality. Exactly. That's all.
0: Uh, karma was mainly staffed by people with lived experience of drug use and student volunteers. Chris said there was a concern in stigma in society that when people wanted to address their drug use, they were discriminated against and shunned because... Because of their quote choice yes it's a choice just as you can say to somebody you knew you knew you were going to get a brain injury because you were boxing choice only tells one side of the story he said their environment is often steeped in uh, steeped in trauma and self-stigma where you believe you're not worthy of anything but that doesn't mean you're any less deserving of care a lot of people we talk to have a lot of trauma in their lives and they use drugs as a treatment as they don't know what else to do. Okay. People come through our door because they want help. They need help, quote. Mr Gough wanted to see more low threshold entry points like karma in Canberra to support drug users before they access the health system. He said many drug users were actually fearful of access in traditional health care. Quote, our community is so highly criminalised they often see places such as hospitals as scary with a lot of trauma attached, Chris said. People aren't cases to be managed, they're people to be supported. End quote.
1: Indeed. Carmen also provided a space for people to have a chat, to have a hot meal and a cup of tea and sit down and watch television, access to art therapy and build a community. Barbecues were held four times a week across Canberra and Karma could also refer people to trusted external partners to help with any problems raised and that's important to know. Karma will help you through that accessing other organisations if you don't feel safe going to see them by yourself. Social isolation is a massive issue in the community. At a base level, people are looking for connection and looking for help, Mr Goff said. Advocacy was also an important part of what karma does, meeting with other stakeholders each month to discuss issues and barriers that people were experiencing. This allows the second the sector to be a lot more flexible and responsive to community trends and allows person-centred care to be front and center. We need to be at the table of the process to provide real life policy <coughs> real life policy advice and solutions. Chris said, uh, "Karma Drop-in Centre can be found at Level One Bellconnen Church Centre at the corner of Cohen and Benjamin Way, Bellconnen, opposite Westfield Bellconnen. It's open Monday to Friday, <laughs> Monday to Friday, Monday to Friday, from ten a.m. to four p.m. We've talked about this before. For information about ACT's Pill Testing Centre or Can Test, it's a drug testing centre, not just pill testing." Um, can test health and drug checking service. You can
0: look at that, article. and there's also information on decision. Karma's website. That's about, right about yep. Can Test. Actually, there's a comment at the end of this uh, from uh, Christine who says programs like these deserve so much more support, but from both government and the community in general for all the work that they do, helping some of the most disadvantaged
1: people in our city and i noticed that they're actually doing some more stuff jeffrey on um disability drug use and stigma yes um and that's really important because i think you find that people with various kinds of disability and that ranges from mental health issues to physical incapacity to walk you know i mean all kinds of disability yep. really important that um That be covered, and there is, in fact, on uh, November the seventeenth, a Avil, the Australian Intravenous and Drug Illicit Drug Users League, is organising a stigma conference with a program schedule available from there. But it's at uh, Parliament Parliament House House. on November the seventeenth this month.
0: Yes, it's it's so you might want to go and have a look at that. It, it's a marking the 30th anniversary of um, Aval. Of Aval, yes. Being which incorporated. Been, yep. In 1982, and it's an historic milestone. Indeed. And 30 years on, it remains the peak body for uh, drug user organisations. Drug
1: organisations around Australia, yep.
0: And the inaugural Australian Stigma Conference will be on the 17th of November, as Marian said, in the Great Hall at, at uh, Parliament House. The forum-style conference will bring together policymakers, healthcare professionals, and people who use drugs to engage in dialogue and hear about how stigma impacts people who use drugs. So um, that'll be really good. And Chris is going to be one of the speakers um, yep. at, at that event, And
1: Sione. People might remember Sione, Sione who yep. used to be um, a work, used to be the executive officer at Karma for yep. about and is, twelve months. Now does you. that
0: at Harm Reduction Victoria? That's right. Um, Dr Marion Jauncey, who, um, who, ran, runs,
1: who has still runs, actually, still runs the Safe Injecting centre. centre in Sydney, and there'll be a discussion about the second one in Melbourne. There's actually some really interesting things on the program. It's only one day, yep. but it, uh, it's brief but important. Well, Stigma is a really a big, big part of the problem associated with drug use, particularly injecting drug users.
0: I notice... Um, Former Greens leader Richard Di Natale speaking, also yep. Greg Denham Mick, and Mick Palmer, who was the former uh, a Federal Police Commissioner.
1: A couple of people from um, Vancouver, activists, drug activists from Vancouver Eris Nix and Jeremy uh, Cal- Calcum- Calicum um, from the Drug Users League of um I don't know what F main stands for, but anyway, Drug Users League. It's from Vancouver, so that's good. From because good to know about what's going on in Canada.
0: We shall head off to the uh, national news. Okay. All right, it's about four minutes after eleven. Welcome back to your News from the Drug War Front, brought to you by Karma, the Canberra Alliance for Harm Minimization and Advocacy, and the Connection, which is uh, the organisation that uh, assists First Nations people. Uh, got another. Upcoming event. There seems to be a lot coming up uh, in this part of the world. It's the Australia's largest hemp and cannabis event, the hemp health and innovation expo, which is the largest hemp and cannabis event. um, And the only event in Australia for anyone and everyone seeking all the information around the crucial benefits that hemp and the cannabis plant continue to unlock and their sustainable solutions for our future. Experiential and educational with interactive activities for all ages and alongside local and international exhibitors, HHI Expo is Australia's opportunity to taste, touch, feel and experience it all. Through workshops, displays, speakers, stages and exhibitors, HHI showcases everything from hemp fibres, foods, beverages, clothing, textiles, medicinal products. Medicinal products, medicinal access, oils and tinctures, extraction gear, equipment, vapes, art, building materials, beauty products, gardening, hydroponic equipment, and much, much more. Um, for our very first Canberra HHI, the only place in Australia where cannabis is, quote, legislated, we're gearing up the festival vibe with a full outdoor entertainment program of bands, artists, DJs, food trucks, and more. So that sounds really exciting um, if you're into um, or have an interest in any aspect of hemp and cannabis. Um, yeah. That's November 19th till the 20th uh, in Canberra. And if you want to check out more, go to hhiexpo.com.au. Oh, terrific. Yeah. Isn't that
1: that, that? that sounds like a really good
0: idea. And, and I yeah. think I think one of the good things about the um, increasing uh, access to medic- medicinal cannabis is you know, it's putting pressure on to make it legal, really. Yeah, which is... well,
1: m- make it legally available and make it easier to grow and develop and make available for yourself and your friends. I think that's pretty important because there's not much point in making it legally available if you can't get access to it. So you really do need to find places where you can learn how to grow and produce your own cannabinoid um, products that are health-giving, that have many health-giving benefits. Yep. And if this is one such venue, then good on them, doing that kind of thing.
0: Will we do the New Zealand story? Let's do that. We
1: haven't spoken very much about New Zealand for a while, and that's interesting because the New Zealand Drug Foundation has been going nearly as long as um, Aval has been. Um. Deaths And this one's called uh, overdose deaths up 54% in the last five years, and this is from the Drug Foundation. This is sorry from November the 5th. Deaths caused by drug overdoses increased by 54% between 2017 and 2021, according to a new report by the New Zealand Drug Foundation. The report showed that 171 people died from overdoses in 2021, a significant increase from 111 in 2017. According to the report, the increase is driven by the growing number of deaths caused by opioids, alcohol and benzodiazepines, which sounds like a... um, A fairly standard combination to Australians, I would imagine. The report also shows that drug mixing was a significant cause of death, with 42% of overdose deaths during the last five years involving five or more drugs. Over the counter prescription medication was also a significant player in overdose deaths, with one medicine listed in the report being present in 77% of the cases. Drug Foundation Executive Director Sarah Helm said that these numbers are incredibly concerning and that public policy has neglected the issue leading to preventable deaths. Every overdose, this is a quote from her, every overdose death is tragic and has a huge impact on WANU and communities. In fact, Sorry, the fact we've seen overdoses increase over the last five years is simply unacceptable," she said. The report also shows that Maori are disproportionately affected by overdoses, being three times more likely to die from one than from to die from overdose than one Pakeha.
0: So that's yeah. one white white person. Yeah, yeah, three times. That's that's pretty standard. It's
1: fairly standard, and I'm afraid one of the problems is. And this is only me speculating, but um, as in Australia, speaking about drugs is taboo uh, and taking drugs and talking about drugs is something that really um, First Nations people don't want to know about, don't want to talk about as a race because they have enough stigma and discrimination to deal with as it is without having to talk about drugs as
0: well. Yeah. 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 Okay. Next um, subheading is drug law reform. Um, Helm is calling for fundamental reform to drug laws and says that a health-based approach is a key to driving down overdoses. While she acknowledges these changes will likely take a while, um, she has suggested some short-term solutions that could quickly come into effect. These changes include more funding for naloxone, or we can definitely say here, here to that, Uh, an overdose medication, a type of overdose medication, and the trial of an overdose prevention centre where drug users can practice while being medically supervised while receiving harm reduction treatment and support services. And she's quoted as saying, the data shows opioids featured in Mm -hmm. almost half of The overdose fatalities over the past five years and deaths are increasing. Naloxone is an incredibly effective medicine that reverses the effects of an opioid overdose. We want it in the hands of as many people as possible.
1: We certainly do.
0: Which is a no-brainer. The Drug Foundation has been trying to get New Zealand better prepared for a widespread opioid overdose like we're seeing in other parts of the world. Uh, The proposal of a drug prevention centre trial has been backed by Auckland Central Member of Parliament, Chloe Swarbrick, and the Green Party, who say it will reduce harms caused by drug use and make the inner city safer. Quote, when I stood to represent my community of Auckland Central, I did so committing to confront the hard and complicated realities of the problems that present themselves in our neighbourhoods, many of which don't actually originate in our neighbourhoods, she said earlier this year.
1: Hmm. So the quote goes on. That means implementing practical and thoroughly researched solutions like this overdose prevention center, Helms said. The drug foundation working to acquire injectable naloxone and the nasal spray version Nixoid. Restrictions surrounding oh, were working to acquire injectable naloxone. Restrictions surrounding injectable naloxone have also relaxed following an application from the drug foundation. Quote, according to our legal advice, the changes mean organisations like ours will now be able to distribute injectable naloxone, so we're taking steps to procure some, says Helm. This week, we've also submitted a funding application to Pharmac for the nasal spray form of naloxone, Nixoid, which is easier to use and therefore preferred by people who use drugs, their loved ones and first responders, like the police. Currently, this is a quote goes on, currently an exoid costs $92 for a box of two. Wow. Which is pretty much what it was in Australia too when we think about it, Jeffrey, We decided to take matters, uh, matters into our own hands because we could not continue to wait to get this out there. The Drug Foundation hopes these changes will help to lower the number of people suffering from overdoses and reduce harm... And reduce harm among vulnerable vulnerable communities, especially those experiencing homelessness. Yeah, it's interesting um, so story. they're, they're pretty much up to where we're up to, except maybe twenty years ago. And that, Jeffrey, that's pretty much the story with New Zealand. they've, yeah. they've been that way for a while, and they've had great difficulty in have in having open conversations about drug use they had um, <coughs> excuse me they had a better response to hivs but through the sex workers collective mm. rather than through the drug users but and they had enormous problems getting needle exchange instituted over in new zealand yeah. but that sounds like some the, positive the news. drug foundation is actually getting itself together yep yeah. and getting some stuff happening over there which is
0: great good to hear all right, might go to a song. This is uh, Ice-T from his Greatest Hits uh, album, and it's I'm Your Pusher.
3: Yo, what's up, man? I need to get high, man. I need to get hold of some big-time dope, man. You know I can get a key. I know we can get an LP. LP, man. If you went crazy, man, I'm talking about some dope, man. I need to get high right now, man. Why don't you hook me up with a 5 I can hook you up with a 12-inch. 12, bitch, man, you done went crazy. You don't even know what time it is. Out here on the streets, you don't know what time it is, man. You a fool. Yo, homeboy, you a fool. You don't know what time it is. Out here messing up your mind. You know what I'm saying? This is Ice T talking to you, boy. I'ma tell you what time it is. Yo, it's time for me to pump off the volume. No problem, the records revolving. Evil's the mixer, I'm the rap trickster. Paparazzi's on the bum rush for pictures Ice, cooling your yo, colder than ever Punk executioner, he pulls the lever Rotate the wax, then cut an axe Push up the levels till the red lights max Don't try to size up, you better wise up. To the rap criminals, we're on the rise up We're selling dope till we succeeded Dope beats and lyrics, no beepers needed But it's a drug deal, I'm the big wheel The dope I'm selling, you don't smoke your feel Out on the dance floor, on my world tour I'm selling dope in each and every record store I'm the kingpin when the wax spins Crack a smack, i take you to a show end You don't need it, just throw that stuff away You wanna get high, let the record play Oh, man, I like this dope here, man. It's feeling all right, boy. What'd you say your name was, man? I know you're loving this drug, as it's coming at your speakers. Bass through the bottoms, highs through the tweeters. But this bass, you don't need a pipe. Just a tempo to keep your hype groovin', like I see you doin'. So stupid crap, we're just ruin your natural high. Why that ain't fly, and anyone who says it is lies. Move like I knew you would, like I knew you could. And if you ain't cracked out, then I know you should be able to give me a clap. To match exact with the tracker. Since I know you ain't, I expect. That. Oh, that, it's is lit. It's like the ultimate. People hive dope, but still physically fit. I make a million bucks, pack not doing trucks. I'm selling dope beat, dope rhymes, dope cuts. I'll be the biggest dope dealer in history. Cause all the fly be hive that iced tea. Oh man, you ain't never lied, man. This dope is all right, man. I got to get back with you, man. Let me get your number, man. Rock it up you want in i don't think you got enough last sucker's cross syndicate shot 'em up cops found them in the lake bottom up i don't play when it comes to my dope i check my lyrics close like with a microscope i don't clean them up with no ivory soap i leave them hard and pure hope that you can cope cuz you might OD if you overdrive this record tape a cd because the sound i created on this wax is like a chemical and the knowledge i give makes me invincible Oh, mr dope man i'm loving you man you got it going on man what else you got i got some of that kumo d oh yeah man i want some of that man got some dougie fresh oh give me an ounce of that man i want that all night long got some eric b and rakim all that is some real dope right there Got some that ll cool j Nah, nah, man. I don't want none of that, man. You can keep that, man. Got some boogie down productions, KRS-One. Uh-oh, now you're talking, man. Come on. Public enemy. Yeah, don't stop. Don't stop. This marquee. Make the music with your mouth. I love it. I'm that nigga. Just don't know what to do because my dope breaks through no matter what they do. My stuff gets to you, kicking on the boulevard. My tempo's hyped and hard. I don't ask the ice, just Bogart. Sire Records puts me out with Warner Brothers clout. My dope hits the street with no doubt, evilly adds the cut then removes it, is checks for purity, and then approves it, and then you get it, try it and like it, and if it ain't potent, we remix it and spike it, to bring you to pure dope, not a noose in the rope, cause if you're doing crack, you're on death row, you're just a toy punk, then mess with that junk, you want some real dope, come look, get my trunk, the dope I'm selling is life, 100% legit, so get real fool, and try some real hit. Word up my brother, you got me high as a kite, I feel good tonight, ice tea, man, you alright,
0: It's 19 minutes after 11, and you're with Jeff and Marion in studio one of 2 X FM 98.3, people, people powered, powered radio. radio. Indeed. Yeah. And just as we do um, each week, a shout out to 2 X If you're able to join as a listener sponsor or just donate some time or whatever, um, they'll be very grateful for any help. Indeed, We've got a piece from Colombia which um, I think is very interesting given that they've had the first ever um, left of centre president elected.
1: Indeed, and the big part about this is that he's decided to take a completely different approach to drugs, um, which is important given that Colombia was one of the source of the devil, demon drug, uh, well, a large source of cocaine, but also of other drugs and, in fact, been demonised um, internationally because of that local availability and because of the amount of money it was making, the militant groups through that those illicit drugs. And However,
0: the, ima- the amount of money that America was pouring in to the FBI support
1: absolutely supporting the militant militation of you know and the 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 fighting between the inter- internal fighting yeah which was just unright and it was un- incorrect. it was. Uh, unreasonable, and it was just setting one Colombian against another.
0: Yeah, very traumatic. And yet,
1: they have a new president who's decided that he's not going to put up with that kind of crap anymore. So, he says the Colombian, um, the Colombia's Truth Commission backs drug regulation for peace, and this is by transformingdrugs.org. The Colombian Commission for the Clarification of Truth, Coexistent and Non-Repetition, that's the Truth Commission, published its final report in June 2022. In a pioneering move, it urged the new government to legally regulate drugs in order to end violence. Transform staff member Mary Ryder has worked closely with the Truth Commission throughout its operation. As part of her PhD, which explores the impact of prohibitionist drug policy on people who use drugs within the context of Colombia's armed conflict. Here, she reflects upon the importance and accomplishments of the Drugs Working Group to which she contributed. Drugs trafficking as a protagonist in Colombia's armed conflict. The Truth Commission's final report was the culmination of three and a half years' work. Uh, uh, investigating the causes and consequences of decades of armed conflict in Colombia. Its mandate explicitly called for an investigation into the highly intertwined relationship between... um, Sorry, mandates explicitly called for investigation into the highly intertwined relationship between Colombia's armed conflict and cultivation of illegal crops the production and commercialization of illegal drugs and the laundering of assets derived from drug trafficking. There have been many truth commissions across the globe seeking to investigate historic human rights abuses as part of a conflict resolution process, but Colombia's was the first truth commission in the world to meaningfully investigate the role of drug policy in an armed conflict and to dispute the continuation of the global control, a drug control regime in recognition of its damaging and counterproductive impact on Colombia's transition from war to peace. A team was tasked to explore these linkages between drugs policy, drug trafficking and armed conflict, and to develop a wide-ranging set of recommendations to support the transition to peace we sought to expand upon the existing research that has tended to reduce illegal drugs trafficking to a means of funding armed groups and financing the war. This critiques the entrenched political discourse that simplistically blames the illegal drugs market as the source of all the problems in Colombia, a narrative that has been used for decades to delegitimize the political struggle of non-state actors and marginalised social movements. Isn't that refreshing? To Mako,
0: yeah. It's a re- just, it, philosophically, Columbia. that's such a change for a it country is. that's been so traumatised by um, the well, US and inspired the war. The and interesting
1: thing is just saying non state actors, mm-hmm. right? meaning out of country personalities, yeah. Yeah? like the FBI, without saying their name, just non state actors, which is interesting because the. Um, the intervention of people who are not Colombian and what they, the impact that they have had on Colombia, has been monumental. Oh, that, so it's really fascinating that, that they've charged these people. Actually, openly said, "You're making a mess of our country. Let's change it."
0: Oh, look, the, the election of um, this new president is a, a huge shift in um, policy and also outlook on. That and other issues. Indeed, over three years of listening to interviews with victims and perpetrators of violence, we explored the following key themes: the ways in which different armed groups in Colombia interacted with and controlled drug production, trafficking, and consumption in the regions under their control; the conflation of counterinsurgency efforts with drug policy, and the militarization of state-citizen relations in these regions; the transformation of the armed forces diverted from citizen protection to drug eradication and enforcement, the impact of forced eradication uh, on the socioeconomic being of marginalised communities, campaign financing and the corruption of politics and public institutions from illegal drug market profits, and the exploitation of women in drugs trafficking networks and the gendered impacts of counter-drug efforts. That's really important to read that because often gender, as we've said on the show many times, is yes, overlooked. totally overlooked, yeah. In doing so, the symbolic power of the, in quotes, war on drugs narrative and its underlying prohibitionist paradigm was laid bare and disputed. In particular, we explored how the securitization of drugs issues in Colombia constructed the narco-drugs trafficker as, quote, public enemy number one and the overriding national security priority. The Commission's findings show a complex web of entangled networks composed of political, armed and civilian actors involved in the production, supply or use of illegal drugs which have had a significant influence on the security, politics and economy uh, in the country. This is presented in uh, Chapter 6 of the final report, There is Future If There is Truth, Findings and Recommendations. The book, Thou Shalt Not Kill?, and three additional case studies which expose the repression and stigmatization of coca growing farm- farmers in the armed conflict, the militarization of Colombia's Macarena region under the logic of the war on drugs, and the victimization of people using drugs. The last of these, quote, from the war on drugs to the drug war, is a case study that I researched and was published by the Truth Commission as part of a series of public publications to complement the key findings of its final, final report in greater depth. It explores the stigma, exploitation and persecution of people who use drugs, particularly young people, in Colombia's armed conflict it concludes that the constant victimization of people who use drugs has perpetuated and degraded Colombia's armed conflict
1: so
0: that's um, very interesting yeah. It's
1: a, uh, totally new, and I'm glad that they've done a review of it. Based on 14,000 interviews with over 27,000 people in Colombia and exile, and in exile abroad, including victims, military and political leaders and former combatants, as well as official political documents, the Truth Commission's final report concludes that Colombia's political conflict has not been helped but rather has been exacerbated and degraded by the vast report resources poured into fighting the war on drugs over past decades. It demands that Colombian leaders now recognise how drug trafficking has penetrated the country's culture, economy and politics and how the global war is continuing to drive its armed conflict today. Crucially, it does not just make a critique of the counterproductive nature of punitive drug war enforcement and then stop, like so many other reports, without proposing a way forward. Based on the key findings presented in the report, it recommends that the new Colombian government leads and promotes an international debate to a reform drug policy in cooperation with the United States. It would have to be in cooperation with the United States, Jeffrey, specifically including a move towards legal regulation. Such changes are necessary in order to eliminate one of the key structural drivers of violence in the country and put an end to armed conflict once and for all. The recommendations fundamentally challenge the conceptualization of the drug problem as a matter of national security, broadly outlining how to address the violence related to illegal drug production, supply and consumption through a strictly regulated legal market. It calls for an immediate end to the mater- militarised forceful eradication of coca crops in order to help reduce rural violence and improve state citizen relations. It's important to note, however, that this destructive policy remains in full force in Colombia and continues to harm the socio economic lives of coca farmers and their communities despite the evidence presented in the report. The groundbreaking Truth Commission report does not go into specific details on the possible regulatory models, but it calls on Colombia to lead this paradigm shift, quote, with the legitimacy and strength that comes from being one of the countries that has suffered the most from the violent consequences of the war on drugs, end quote. The recommendations also identify the urgent need to revise short-sighted drug policy indicators which have tended to focus on repression, eradication and punishment. Going forwards, factors such as human rights, public health and sustainable development should be considered in order to truly measure the long-term impact. This is certainly
0: a change from the old... Let's have more prohibition. And-
1: Indeed, and that's from Gustavo Petro speaking at the United Nations, and I think that's really important. The release of the Truth Commission's final report. Sorry, Geoffrey, this is no, no. to finish this yep. off. Um, and the acceptance by Colombia's new president, Gustavo Petro, so that's the guy that was actually speaking at the United Nations. Yep. And is the new president, by the way, of Colombia. Uh, renew prospects for peace in the country and mark the possibility of one of the most significant drug policy reforms in the world. It remains to be seen how much the politi- how much political capital Petro will be able to expend in- on implementing his very publicly stated commitments to both domestic policy and the global drug control system. You can read his UN General Assembly speech. A theme that we'll be, we will be
0: exploring in future transform blogs. Look, it'd be very interesting to see, like they say, how how much reform he's able to he can, can establish
1: what kind of power he will have, how much is actually entrenched in the military and in the police. Yeah. And how and much in the, the US and the gangs, yeah.
0: Will the US be prepared to let such
1: What will they let it go? because that's really important jeffrey if they won't let it go if they don't let go of what's going on in colombia or south america gen- uh, generally they uh, there's no way that any single person president or not can make a change to the so-called war on drugs I because th- just by virtue of a truth commission
0: i think he's hoping to garner support from other latin american countries yeah to- Take it broader.
1: Well, there, there's now a, um, a pan African Congress, yes. So, why there shouldn't be a pan South American Congress, I don't know. There really needs to be a collaboration. I mean, I would suspect that uh, if Bolsonaro is truly gone and Lula comes into play and actually takes over as president of Brazil, Mm. the possibility of some kind of collaboration between Petro and Lula may well be a possibility. Because that's what's required. We need collaboration between countries that have been basically uh, stigmatised, socially isolated or made to be the major players, if you like, in uh, the war on drugs and and the obstacles to the change in, you know, they're the ones that are the obstacles and it's not... The, the, uh, the presidents may have been part and parcel of the way in which the military operated or the police operated... But if we're changing the politics of each of those countries, then perhaps we can change
0: the politics of the so-called global drug war. It's definitely because that's where it starts. Definitely cause for some optimism, it and is. Uh, let's hope that they can get a, a unified position. Um, oh yeah! In that region, because they're the ones that have suffered enormously from um,
1: Well, they're, from they're, the, they're the ones that have been told that they're the baddies.
0: Yep. Yeah. Yeah? For years they've yep.
1: been the baddies. And anybody that's gone through Brazil or gone through Colombia or gone through excuse me, Panama, or has that, and has that stamped on their visa, their luggage has gone through, you know, like a yep. dose of salts yeah. because the the suspicion Suspicious association. Would go, same as it used to be with um, Thailand and Vietnam, and you know, it's just it's just so easy to stigmatize other countries yeah. and people from other countries, or people going through other countries, um, and saying it's not us. It's the country. It's yeah, the other country. Right. It's not the individual. It's not the people. And in fact, that's not true. It's the people. We know what it is. It's not a war on drugs. It's a war on people. Yeah. Exactly. Who use drugs. Yeah. We've been saying that forever. but I, And I know it sounds trite and I know it sounds like we've never shut up about it, Jeffrey. but it's too true to be funny anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Not and not. We're, now that we've got the possibility to change it, Let's see if something bring, happens.
0: Bring it on. Yeah. I say. All right. I might play uh, another song. This is uh, Ice Cube, not Ice T. And it's um, a song called Dead Homies.
4: <laughs> Up early in the morning, yeah. dressed in black. Don't ask why. Because I'm down in a suit and tie. They killed a the homie that I went to school with. Damn. I tell you, life ain't shit the fool with. Still hear the screams from his mother. Why well, my nigga a dead? And it's getting to my temple. Why is that the only time black folks get to ride in a whim? It makes me so mad. I want to get my soul and have some bodies hold. But no, I pay my respects and I'm through. Hug my crew and maybe shed a tear or two. Then I want to get blitz. Grab my 40 years. And then I reminisce about a brother who had to be the one and only So I dedicate this to my dead home Another homie got murdered on a shake. Damn, his mother's at the funeral having a nervous breakdown Two shots hit him in the face when they're black A framed picture mm. And a closed cast, a single file line about 50 cars long, all driving slow with they lights on. He got a lot of flowers and a big wreath, what good is that when you're six feet deep? I look at this shit, ain't gotta think to myself, and thank God for my help, cause nobody really ever knows. We, they family on the front. I take everything slow, go with the flow shit my motherfucking mouth if I don't know.
0: didn't like that word. Apologies for that.
1: Maybe um, <laughs> no, you didn't like that word. C- was a naughty
0: word. CD suddenly uh, had some technical um, problems. And got um, the
1: hiccups.
0: That was uh, Ice Cube and Dead Homies. Um, or part thereof. Part thereof, yeah. <laughs> All right, welcome back to uh, News from the Drug War Front. I thought, um, given we've been speaking about Latin America, this next story sort of... Um, Segues quite nicely, because yeah. um, it's uh, it goes back to the United States, United States the, yeah. the source of much of um, the war on you know, war on people who use drugs. And it's called the War on Drugs, and certainly
1: the funding on
0: it, for certainly anyway. the fun- yeah, and yeah. prosecution of it, yeah. Uh, and the Drug Enforcement Administration and the billions of dollars they spend. You know, this piece is from moment.net, November the 4th. The war on drugs created a structurally racist system, says top federal drug official. Um, National Institute on Drug Abuse, NIDA, Director Nora Volkow, has frequently commented on the need to take a public health approach to substance misuse, rather than strict criminalisation, and has openly addressed racial disparities in drug enforcement. Mm. But in a recent interview, she put the issue in especially stark terms. Part of the reason that she took the job as National Institute on Drug Abuse Director was because she, quote, wanted to address the ways that our society and healthcare systems neglect addiction and to work to change the criminalization of people who take drugs, she told NIH Medline Plus magazine. Quote, research shows that when people end up in prison um, or jail, they have a much higher chance of overdosing, dying or relapsing, she said criminalising people who use drugs has created a structurally racist system that allows us to treat certain people, particularly black Americans, worse, worse than others, end quote. This explicit admission has caught the attention of reform advocates and drug policy journalists like Zachary Siegel, who runs the Substack newsletter Substance. Bolkow says straight up that drug criminalization is a structurally racist system that results in the direct harm of drug users, said Zachary. The federal drug official also said in the interview that, quote, there are health disparities in all areas of health, especially around substance use. What's unique to addiction is how it relates to criminalization, she said. Being in jail or prison interferes with physical and emotional health, makes it hard to get a job, disrupts families and destroys self-confidence. We're trying to tackle these issues at the National Institute on Drug Abuse.
1: Yeah, and that's only maybe 50% of the issues that they'll need to tackle to really get through it. There's
0: a lot to deal with. (laughs)
1: Indeed. Similarly, officials with the museum run by the Drug Enforcement Administration acknowledged recently that, quote, racial, ethnic and class prejudice led to drug criminalisation and the agency's own founding. Quote, what had been a medical condition became a deviant or criminal, one official said. This shift led to a wave of laws against heroin, marijuana and cocaine. Volkov, for her part, talked about the relationship between racial prejudice and drug criminalisation last year, saying the US is, quote, currently reckoning with a long history of discriminatory and racist policies, many of which are still continuing today. Quote, The war on drugs was no exception, and by incarcerating black people at disproportionately high rates, when that's still true for Australia, I might add, uh, it's had a radiating effect into health, economic security and mobility, educating housing, education, housing, families Areas intrinsically connected with the well-being and success of so many Black and other people of color, she said. Criminalization also goes hand in hand with stigma, Volkov said in her latest interview, which seeps in at every level, affecting individual and community suffering, the health care system, and the health insurance, co- insurance coverage. That's really important, and it's really it's still important for Australia today. Those issues are no different. Just because they are more uh, obvious in a, in uh, the United States doesn't mean they are not present in uh, even in a perhaps a less obvious way in but, Australia. But, but they're certainly still, there. It's still there, yeah. And that stigma conference it plays straight into that. Um,
0: Reality. Yeah. yeah.
1: As part of NADA's uh, individuals, families and communities internalise stigma around substance use. It's something that everything is ashamed to talk about and that gets in the way of people getting the help that they need, she said. This is creating a healthcare system that doesn't provide the resources to treat addiction or drug use and insurance companies that won't pay for effective treatments. As part of NIDA's efforts to mitigate stigma in drug policy and treatment, the agency is changing its name from the National Institute on Drug Abuse to the National Institute on Drug Addiction. I don't know that that helps it much. Volkov said that we we use language to build shared realities and to build identities, and we agree with that very much. Mm-hmm. But I don't know that changing it from abuse to addiction actually helps. If we if it helps in the United States, great, but it certainly doesn't help in Australia yeah. because we talk about drug users, drug yeah, users. Language, but the language can be very is really important in the US. Yep. Yeah. Um, and the sympathy comes out for different reasons or under different... Or lack right, of. <laughs> yeah, or lack thereof, yeah. Volkoff, um, the change was part of recently adopted congressional legislation that similarly amends the names of other federal agencies and programs to be less stigmatising. Volkov was also asked about the path forward in addressing the overdose crisis. And she acknowledged that the problem quote, is not going to go away by itself and, quote, requires a multi-pronged, tailored approach to interventions that's targeted at different stages. That includes the public education about overdose risks from drugs like fentanyl, as well as providing treatment interventions and wider access to the overdose reversal medication, uh, naloxone. Quote, addiction is treatable, but we need to treat it as a chronic condition, Volkov said, "It's a long. T- it causes long-term changes to the brain that are compounded by changes in behavior. These changes don't reverse when you stop taking drugs. The people who are the most vulnerable can be those who are socially deprived. And it's narrow-minded to believe that people taking drugs because they choose to. That people take drugs because they choose to. For example, you see period." people experiencing homelessness with high rates of smoking and alcohol use and with high overdose rates. These individuals don't have anything else and many of them take drugs as a way to escape to feel better because they have no other options and many are struggling with other mental illnesses. Well I can agree with the last part of that statement but I have a few difficulties with the beginning of that. Yeah. Instead she goes on to say instead of stigmatizing people by saying that this behavior is a choice, we need to ask what it is that we can do to provide alternative behaviors resources, and support so that everyone has actual choices mm-hmm. and that's certainly important we have to t- we talk often about agency Jeffrey and about what we can do to make sure that our peers and which is something that they don't look at in a realistic way in the United States, no. but that we have agency—that is, uh, we have the capacity to drive our own um, future yeah. or our own, yeah, our own. Uh, love my disease, I guess, is what it is. Quote: Instead of stigmatizing people, but saying it's a choice. Did we did that one? Uh, Over the summer, Volkov said that in a blog post that there's an urgent need to reshape addiction treatment specifically by putting more resources towards identifying quote pre-addiction to get people get to help people
0: before the disease. They really love that disease. They love that disease model and addiction and yeah, Mm, I love those words. But uh, rebranding addiction on its own isn't going to fix one of the core problems keeping people from seeking treatment. There's still stigma and fear among people going through substance use disorders about being transparent with their struggles, and that's largely uh, down to the fact that personal drug use is widely criminalised, and that's as obvious as it can be, isn't it? (laughs) In a separate essay last year, the health official reiterated that the current federal drug policy leads to disproportionate enforcement against communities of colour and can actually increase the risk of overdose deaths. She stopped short of explicitly endorsing decriminalisation but signalled that it was time for that kind of an approach to effectively combat addiction and overdoses. Meanwhile, the National Institute on Drug Abuse recently announced that it is soliciting proposals for a contractor to grow, harvest and analyse millions of grams of marijuana for research purposes. It's interesting. I think once the money... um, it, kicks it in, kicks in, yeah, and I'd say the same here in Australia with the burgeoning medical marijuana um, industry.
1: Oh, look, it,
0: it'll be the yes, same situation.
1: Certainly, look, that's it's they've made sense of it in what eighteen states in the United in the
0: USA. I think there's thirty medicinal and yeah, eighteen legal. It's, yes, yeah. it's, it's, it's so well,
1: a, yeah, it's making sense to people because they're finding that the fin- financial aspect of it is. Um, so much more preferable than uh, keeping it illicit and yet still available.
0: Yeah, and scientists have repeatedly said that the federal government's Schedule 1 status, uh, which is no medical benefit whatsoever, of marijuana under the Controlled Substances Act is unduly prohibitive, discouraging researchers from taking on uh, studies. Even Volkow said she's personally reluctant to go through the onerous process of getting approval to study Schedule 1 drugs like marijuana. NIDA also announced in June that it plans to provide $1.5 million in funding to support researchers who can develop a medical marijuana registry to track everything from how patients are obtaining and consuming cannabis to their health outcomes. The agency has further expressed interest in funding studies on differing cannabis regulatory models that are in place in states across the country. Um, so, yeah, that's essentially what, what they're up to. They're trying to, I guess, soften their... Um, Past uh, negative approach. But, well, uh,
1: that's a completely that's a complete turnaround from the past. absolutely no um, medicinal value. A schedule one being of no medicinal value to acknowledging that they are not only medicinal uses. But also practical uses for marijuana. I mean, they've been still using it for rope and for hemp oh. clothing for a long time. True.
0: World War Two, there was a call to yeah. grow it. Yeah.
1: yeah, They have not uh, never stopped that, but certainly the uh, the rubbish of it not having any medicinal value whatsoever has uh, been shown to be
0: the rubbish, rubbish as it that is, it as is. We yeah. Say, yeah. Uh, try another track and then we'll wrap up this week's show. This is uh, Sitting on the Dock of the Bay, Otis Redding. Wow. It's a posthumous number one hit.
2: Sitting in the morning sun I'll be sitting when the evening comes and this loneliness won't leave me alone This 2,000 miles I roam Just to make this dock my home Now I'm just gonna sit at the dock of the bay Watching the tide roll away Ooh, I'm sitting on a dock of the bay Wasting time
0: Oh, it's a classic uh, Otis it Redding. certainly is. Sitting on the dock of the bay. Um, we've got one other uh, big conference to announce. Um, it's the 23rd Harm Reduction International Conference, which will finally be held in Melbourne, 16th till the 19th of April 2023.
1: And we tend to get that every three or four years, don't we, in Australia? Well, it's been it delayed a by
0: COVID for a couple of years. I think it was meant to be two years ago originally. But um, yeah. it, the first one was in Liverpool in 1990.
1: Yes. um oh, look they've been they've actually been a real a lot of fun and but it's a great opportunity to network with organizations a great opportunity for uh, organizations to learn what harm reduction means from a peer education perspective because many places many countries don't really understand what it is and don't understand how to approach um harm reduction politically in their country so and how they might uh, be able to liaise with organizations in other countries and yep. get that going it's um certainly supported who is very yeah, fond of uh, learning from the harm reduction conference
0: so yeah it has a great yeah they pos- positive experiences so yep. um anyway you can get more details at harm reduction international website Wheres that? it's in Melbourne, so it's in' that's Melbourne, all yeah. fun, yeah. yeah, so not too far to travel and
1: even if you don't go for the papers, even if the papers are not new to you, um, don't worry about it because uh, the lunch and morning and afternoon tea and dinner time a great networking opportunity. Absolutely. So, and that's when you really make the connections with people. You meet the people who actually do the research and although the research may be old, it's still relevant and it's important and you can learn how to apply it to your own community.
0: And it's also always voice for peers, yeah. which is
1: great. And the Stigma Conference, which we mentioned uh, earlier on in the program, is on November the 17th at the big hall at Australian uh, Parliament House in Cal- in Canberra, um, November the 17th, 2022, um, and that's ABLE's uh, celebration of their 30th anniversary. And ABLE is the peer education organisation for um, uh, the national, sorry, the head body for peer o- or education organisations in Australia.
0: Yeah, and a very um, proud organisation with a great um, history, especially in the response to HIV AIDS in the early days. That's um, right. Stre- and, uh, yeah, really, really brought together the strength
1: of the peer education Indeed. stuff and, and the capacity to introduce uh, practical behaviour changes that could encourage users to reduce their the infection rate with HIV and, now these days with hepatitis C, so yep. looking towards getting rid of hepatitis C by what twenty thirty? I think the, make that's Australia the aspiration.
0: Hepatitis C, yep. aspiration or target? I love that word. Yep. And we've got the AGM too, Karma AGM. Karma
1: AGM, which is on the twenty ninth. Did we say the 29th. Tuesday, the twenty ninth, from twelve till two. Uh, twelve o'clock is lunchtime, and then one o'clock we start the business end, uh, but come at 12 and have lunch with us, meet people, get to know the people you might want to, maybe stand for um, president or vice president or member of the board. Indeed. Um, and listen to the uh, the auditor's report, which is really important, how we've spent our money yep. and how the executive officer, which is Chris, has uh, been operating over the last 12 months. Indeed. And what's happened in the last two years since our last so-called annual general meeting, which has been biannual, actually. I
0: think it was was the one last year or was it postponed because of COVID? I think
1: it was postponed because we were all locked down and right. COVID. As I recall, we were, okay. we were doing uh, the... The uh, legwork, if yeah. you like, over the radio yeah. because of the uh,
0: nightmare. Well, at least we can meet in person this time. We can, right. face Ho- to face. Hope you enjoyed this week's show.
1: Take care, everyone. Yeah, look after each and other.
0: We shall return next week.
1: We love you very much. Take care. Bye for now. Stay alive. For a frown with golden brown, golden
2: brown, fine temptress.